power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. What you've got is the best in the world. What does it mean to be the best in the world? Well, <laughs> actually, it probably means at one point you weren't. <laughs> so, uh, I, I've gotten great compliments on we, we've been re-releasing uh, early episodes of Sovereign Tech just to make sure that when we did the transition, um, you know, to, to anchor.fm, that when we did that transition, that every episode is in the feed and like the first 20 episodes did not end up there, you know, through the transition as smooth as it was otherwise. But I I've gotten a lot of kind, very kind comments, um, on, on these past episodes and especially the first one where, Oh boy. Anyway, well, you can go back and listen to it. It's on the sovereign rewind, you know, sovereign tech episode zero, zero, zero one, uh, pilot. And you know, we're, we're quite a few deep now. What you have here though, OK, uh, and, and actually I responded real quick, though. I, I responded to some of those comments in the Wednesday uh, weekly Q&A, which is only available if you're signed up on Patreon, patreon.com slash sovereign tech. But anyway, they, they were all gracious. But what you have here is the first that I would do in a series of specials where uh, I mean, and you got to understand that for a very long time essentially for, for about six years, um, I had a perfect record of now. I mean, actually you'll hear it with this episode where I talk about how sovereign texts used to be released on Friday. Originally they were on Fridays. Then it got moved to Saturdays that we'd release them. And then it got moved to, to Sunday, um, eventually. But anyway, sometimes the day would change, you know, like, like on a regular basis of when an episode would, would release. Uh, eventually would even go to Mondays, but regardless of what the regularly scheduled time uh, was set as for about six or seven years, every single week you got like clockwork, you got a new episode of sovereign tech and we'll be picking that schedule, you know, right back up. But for a podcast that, you know, for at least the first couple of years, didn't have a gigantic audience and also, uh, you know, made no money, <laughs> uh, or at least, you know, not, not in the amount that, that anyone else in the entertainment industry would, you know, like really, uh, uh, consider worthwhile perhaps, um, you know, to, to make that commitment for six or seven years. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but that's pretty damn impressive. And again, we'll, we'll pick that back up. But, uh, so in between those days, I would, if I had something extra, I wanted to do, or if I had a single topic I wanted to get into, kind of like we do somewhat with the Sovereign Tech Supplementals um, or even in the Sovereign Shorts, but in this case, more long form, I would do what were called Sovereign Tech Specials. And I probably did about 50 of these overall. Um, you're only going to get, I think, three during this Sovereign Rewind series. And I'll probably give an update to each. But... These, the one you're hearing now at the time was exceptionally rare, not because it was the first sovereign tech special, but because it talked about Bitcoin and it was an entire episode about Bitcoin. Now, I believe this was recorded in 2012 itself. I recorded this very early on because I knew I wanted to do this. 
but it wouldn't get released until like the beginning of 2013. Even at that point, and you'll hear me talk about it, Bitcoin was valued at around $18 US, which in itself was impressive. Um, but just to give you like a, an idea of, because look, this is somebody who, you know, that being me in 2012, 2013, very early on talking about Bitcoin when most people weren't talking about Bitcoin or the larger, uh, uh media was frankly making fun of it nonstop and claiming it was dead every five seconds. And the technology and the community in many ways was a very different animal than what you have um, today. And again, very few other podcasts or shows or media outlets, whatever, were even bothering to talk about it at this point. Very few. Free Talk Live, which I was a co-host of at the time, um, was one of the, I mean, exceptionally rare, uh, uh, you know, like especially something with that kind of reach that that was talking about Bitcoin. I also think it was a time where the liberty community, we'll call it that, the liberty community was really the 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 foundation of the community around Bitcoin and was the foundation of well I mean in crypt, with really cryptocurrencies in general. Uh but certainly, you know, like with Bitcoin, I mean it was and I stand by this. It was a technology built on the backs of absolute rebels, not just in you know finance, but rebels in civilization itself. Now, I'm doing this custom intro. Not to I mean, like there's there's a couple corrections I think I could make that are in this episode, you know, from at the time. But nobody fucking remembers anyway. <laughs> so I don't know that I need to spend all my time doing that, but I do this intro as a small and a very small retrospective. So now we're at the end of 2021, you know, approaching a decade after this was recorded. What does, how does the golden stallion feel about Bitcoin now? Well, as I've said in recent episodes, um, I feel like I get chalked up as a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm not a 100% Bitcoin maximalist, but I'm probably 95% <laughs> a Bitcoin maximalist. Like I'm that, you know, that close. Uh, I still like having other blockchains for doing not, not just test net, but like real world uh, experimentation of feature sets of, you know, like economic impact and, and things like this, you know, so I, like, I'm, I'm still on board with there being more cryptocurrencies. I'm still on board with things, you know, like Zcash, um, and you know, even Litecoin and some others, uh, the part I'm not on board with is this concept of web three. And this actually speaks to some of how I feel about Bitcoin right now. Also. Uh, so now if, if you're a patron, you heard my recent episode where I talked quite a bit about web three and my concerns with it, you know, and, and in fact, I find it hilarious. Now I recorded that again, like, like two weeks ago. Um, but I find it hilarious that Jack Dorsey of all people, fucking ex CEO, Twitter, Jack Dorsey is coming out and calling bullshit on web three and right on. I'm not going to, you know, like praise this guy, but right on. 
so this whole concept of just blockchainizing everything, you know, like that idea. So, so here's the thing. At the time, in 2013, 2014, 2015, like that idea was being floated around and there were technologies, you know, I mean, that's what Ethereum was based around. And, and there were even other like BitShares or whatever, you know, ProtoShares was that originally what it was called, you know, a lot of different ideas, some that have come, some that have gone um, that, that we're thinking about this, about blockchainizing everything. Now, I have given multiple talks at Bitcoin conferences, partly because of this episode um, I was invited to you know, where I was speaking against the blockchainizing of everything. In fact, there is a, a dare I say, infamous statement um, made by me, invented by me, that gets attributed, you know, properly attributed to me most of the time. And that is, if it was a bad idea off blockchain, it doesn't become a good idea on blockchain. I still stand by that statement 100%. Web3 is essentially the antithesis, the antithesis of that wisdom. So, no, most of the things going on in blockchain right now, you know, from, I don't know, Polygon to Luna, take your fucking pick of the project, whatever, Solana. Um, now, they, they, they don't excite me. They, they don't excite me. I, I mean, even now, like this, this blows my mind. <laughs> and look, I, I work with some of these people which is perhaps the greatest irony of it all, but I, I work with some of these people. So I know how these, you know, people who perhaps um, aren't so seasoned in the space and maybe are more, you know, finance and FinTech regulars. I know how they think. I know what they want. You know, I, I, I get where they're coming from because I work with them. So the point, you know, that I was trying to make earlier is web three has finally caught up with all of those guys. But that's the, you know, like, like these ideas that we're decrying or I was decrying anyway, years ago about don't put everything on a fucking blockchain because it's not going to solve it. It's a bad idea here. It's going to be a bad idea on blockchain. Those same people are the ones funding and pushing Web3. These are people who have it completely wrong. <laughs> okay, so. You know, why would I get excited about Web3 or a lot of these, you know, whatever, Solana, you know, and others when they're just re-entrenching, you know, it's it's just a new coat of paint. When there's still so much rust on the body. And even the projects over the years that I was excited about and that I was hopeful for. Most of them have fallen away or they're still in development hell or whatever. And hey, I get it. Yes. Can it take 10 years for something great to come to fruition? And should it take that time if it's necessary? Of course. Okay. But I am not going to get behind the mic and be like, oh, this is going to change. This is going to change. This is going to change when nothing's changed. So I don't really talk about it much anymore. You know, a lot, a lot of crypto stuff because none of it really excites me and none of it is changing the game. Now the insult here is now Bitcoin is still, you know, it's still the honey badger, right? Remember that? Um, it's still a honey badger of money. It's, it's still going. It's, and I'm glad, and I love it. I think it's, it's wonderful that Bitcoin, you know, exists and is a thing and is, and is growing in so many ways at the same time. It is a fucking insult to have People who are so entrenched in the legacy system do, you know, the 180 and say, oh, yeah, I love Bitcoin. But then, you know, again, they're just asking for regulation. They're asking for this and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's just it's 
it's just crap. I mean, what was supposed to happen, and you can probably hear some of that in this episode that you're about to listen to from 2013. Like, Amazon was never supposed to accept Bitcoin. Now, apparently, they're looking into crypto. Again, that doesn't mean they're looking at Bitcoin. Uh, because I've also infamously said Amazon will never take Bitcoin. Anyway, you know, like, I think that statement still holds. But also, I never wanted them to accept Bitcoin. I wanted, you know, as much as Bitcoin was that change in money, I wanted that change in service, in market, in industry that, you know, was thinking Bitcoin first instead of tacking Bitcoin on to the legacy system. That did not happen. And frankly, it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. Everything feels very ad hoc. And I get it. It's a dangerous proposition. Just look at Silk Road. I understand. Okay. But, you know, everything's ad hoc. Like, all right, we'll do this over Telegram or we'll do this over this or we'll do this over this. And there's nothing really being. And man, I mean, I cannot begin to tell you the amount of, I mean, I was, especially years ago, like I was so integrated in the crypto space. I heard all the rumors. I heard everything going down. And like the amount of projects that were fucking promised and even millions of dollars thrown at where, oh yeah, this is a a shopping experience. That's Bitcoin first, or, oh, it's going to do this with title, or it's going to do this with blah, blah, blah. And gone, never happened. Never, ever, nothing. It pisses me off. It makes you sour, you know? Um, and you could say, well, yeah, but Stallion, like Lightning work, you know, Lightning Network is, is doing great right now. Like it, it's happening. It's getting adopted. Blah, blah. Hey, look, all that stuff, you know, the advancements in Bitcoin itself, like in its capabilities, Taproot and all this. Hey, great. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, like you've got brilliant, brilliant minds and coders working on Bitcoin. I'm not really decrying Bitcoin. I'm decrying everything around it. Because Bitcoin, it's real power to me was that it was a value not granted by governments. It was value not granted by authoritarianism. And that is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And something I applaud to this day. Even if Bitcoin went to zero tomorrow, it's not going to. But even if it did, the experiment in money that Bitcoin is would still be valuable. And we just learn how to do better next time. The value is in the paradigm shift that, and and that, that word gets tossed around, but I mean it. How about the quantum leap? Let's do that. The quantum leap in not, not just technology, but in the philosophy that Bitcoin ushered in, it just hasn't gone any further. You know, like, don't, don't tell me how to buy. It's because it goes even further than this. Like, I I don't want to be able to buy a car or a house with Bitcoin. I want to like the, the very notions of cars and houses to radically shift, just like Bitcoin radically shifted the notion of money. And not only has none of that happened, but the conversation seems like it, it effectively died. 
And no, again, like I'm not going to trust it to whoever the hell's behind, you know, again, pick, pick your poison. Uh, uh, I don't know. Tron. Um, uh, uh, was it Tezos and, and, you know, whatever else, or, you know, here's another point. Okay. I actually wanted to make this point earlier. Let me, let's, let's back it up. And, and cause let me show you just how bad it's gotten. Okay. Like the hot new cryptocurrency right now is, or, or again, there's not just one that's hot, right? But one of the hot ones that everybody's talking about online, at least on Twitter or Reddit is uh, Shiba Inu. A, now, yeah, value is subjective, of course, right? And meme coins, as they're called, yep, you could say the value is in the meme, the value is in the joke, and blah, blah. And I, believe me, I've read whole papers on, on you know, the psychology around this. I, like, I, I, I get it on that level. But let's talk practicality and how it's going to change the world, right? Because isn't that what got you excited about cryptocurrency in the first place? I hope. So SHIB, as we'll call it, SHIB, like go out and buy SHIB. Tell me what that process is like to go out and buy some SHIB. What are you going to use? Maybe Coinbase wallet, trust wallet, something like that. And you're going to have to pay some pretty hefty gas fees on your ETH. Um, okay. And then, you know, after you do the transfer, maybe in Coinbase wallet, which is separate from Coinbase, by the way, if you don't know. Uh, after you do the, like the, you know, the swap, you use Uniswap or whatever the hell you're using, you know, to, to make that, uh, a, the numerical value, you're just like, wait a minute, I only used $300 in ETH. Why do I suddenly have a hundred thousand dollars in chip? Like this doesn't make any sense. And then try cashing out that chip. Try, I don't know, you know, maybe you just want to keep it quiet. Try transferring it to another wallet. You know, you just want to like hide the, how many, how much chip you have. Oh, there's no, there's no chip wallet. Well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and you're thinking, well, yeah, maybe there's just a desktop client that I have to put onto my computer, you know, so that I can hold my SHIB or so I can mine it or something. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Not that, it, you know, and people's con environmental concerns around mining, that's a whole other, you know, ballgame. But my point being is there's actually, there's no real infrastructure behind it. Um, like it kills me. I see the conversations where, oh yeah, SHIB is way better than Dogecoin. It's SHIB versus Dogecoin. And it's like, well, Dogecoin, you can fucking hold and transfer and use and spend. I mean, it's still a meme, you know, it's still a meme coin. It's in many ways the meme coin, but at least you could fucking do something, you know, with Dogecoin. And what you've got you can spend or, you know, exchange and trade out and whatever else. And there's no funny business with the fucking numbers. And I mean, I get it that, you know, everybody thinks, you know, the people that are into, you know, these currencies. And again, I'm not against them existing. It's fine. But like everybody that's into a lot of these meme coins and everything, they think the joke is on anyone who doesn't get it. But no, the, the fucking joke's on you, especially outside of Dogecoin. Dogecoin, again, like I said, at least, you know, like... There, there's infrastructure. There's like, you know, singular infrastructure for it. The idea that everything is just based on, uh, you know, on Ethereum is madness, not just because of the gas fees, but because, you know, it's, it doesn't allow for, shall we say a biodiversity. It doesn't allow for a resiliency because if everything's based on that, then all you got to do is, you know, fuck with Ethereum, which is entirely possible and has happened multiple times in its history. 
And then, you know, everything else is like, well, I, I don't know. Because, again, just try and transfer some of that chip. Or, you know, whatever the, what, what's the other one? Uh, Saitama, whatever. Like, try and transfer it. Okay. So, again, the direction that all of this is going is not helpful. <laughs> Nor is it really changing anything. You know, I mean, it's great if it, if it makes a few new millionaires somehow, um, you know, that that aren't part of the legacy system. I, You know, in that case, I will applaud it. But otherwise, what are we doing? So, again, I'm not knocking Bitcoin. I'm knocking and I'm not knocking the technology. And I have no issues with any of the upgrades and updates that the Bitcoin, you know, team ha ha that, you know, everybody working on Bitcoin, uh, you know, has made. I think that's wonderful. Uh, you know, like I, I haven't seen a single technical paper and I've checked them out where I'm like, oh, uh, no. Uh, uh. I mean, sure, I, I could. There's ways I wish things you know could have gone differently. Again, I've always been a big supporter of colored coins, but no, n nothing like that. So I applaud everybody that's working on this, you know, on, on Lightning Network and, you know, on everything related to Bitcoin, you know, the code and the functionality itself, but like everything that it's getting tacked onto and, you know, the, uh, the larger part of the crypto space, it's again, it, web three is, <laughs> it, it's, it's not just an analogy. It's also, you know, like directly pertains to it, but it's the perfect analogy where it's just the legacy system with a new coat of paint. Like I said, and that's a shame because when I recorded the special you're about to hear, I looked on the future with a lot of hope and I still do. Again, as I, as I say all the time, I'm a long-term optimist, but I'm a short-term pessimist. And in the long term, I have a lot of optimism and I'm still hopeful for the future, but in the short term. And when I say short term, I might even mean the next 20 years. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> I'm not hopeful at all, <laughs> you know, that, that like anything, you know, dramatic, you know, that there's going to be any real dramatic change. So it may be fun and it may intrigue you to listen to this time capsule of positivity that, that this episode about Bitcoin was again, keep it in its time and place, understand, you know, how early it was and that a lot of things have changed since then. And even I have changed my opinions and my thoughts. I mean, I, I know I say some things in here where I go, oh, Brian, what the fuck were you doing? You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, keeping within its time. And I think it's still entertaining. And I think that it's a great snapshot of the attitude, you know, of, around Bitcoin in 2012 and 2013, I think, at least with, you know, liberty loving people. So. I am going to let the episode ride out. I won't come out uh, or, you know, have anything to say at the end of it. We'll let the music just ride. And uh, oh, also, this is the first time you get to hear like a different theme song. I, I, I did a little cut um, on this. one Th Again, this is how it originally was presented in 2013. Um, always love changing up the theme song and just, you know, doing something unexpected. So you get a little bit of that uh, for the first time in this episode as well, which makes it, you know, historically interesting, I guess, for Sovereign Tech. But I will leave it at that. More Sovereign Tech to come. I will see all of you woo, on the other side.
Ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready because here it comes. Tired of boring specials about history, science, and technology? Then get on your best headphones because you might want to lay down for this. A Sovereign Tech special with the world's foremost anarchist technophile, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge, well, you know. And now, here's Brian. Mm. That's right, it is I, Brian Sovereign, the golden stallion of the tech world, here once again for another great, great episode of Sovereign Tech. But this is a very special episode. It's the first of many special episodes that Sovereign Tech will be doing. Um, I had, you know, there's a lot of topics that require, I think they require a good amount of time. And they're not things that can be covered in segments, you know. And, and so I want to leave that for the... Um, you know, for the, the normal shows that'll come out every Friday or so. And with this, you know, these are topics that again, they take an entire episode. They take an hour, maybe they take more to, to really lay out, um, and, and get into and explain. This is sometimes this will be kind of advanced stuff or sometimes it'll be an introduction. Um, and in this case, uh, this one's going to be about Bitcoin, uh, it's been a heavily demanded episode, uh, you know, not that I answer to demands, but uh, it, it's one that people have asked about doing. And, you know, I, I'm going to try and be as objective as I can with this. Um, I'm not with as far as Bitcoin goes, I'm not one of those guys that like keeps his eye on it every second, you know, and plans on it, you know, building, you know, and I plan on building my own personal successful and financial empire, you know, around Bitcoin. And there's nothing wrong if someone does want to do that. That's okay. But I'm just not one of those guys that watches every second, you know, what's going on with Bitcoin. I, I, I pretty much treat it as it is, a, it is a very unique thing. It is a very special thing and I enjoy it. Um, but I don't treat it too differently or pay much more attention to it than I do to any other investment. Um, but that's just me, but I can understand the mentality because you know, when, when I first started getting into, into investing and things like that, I was very, I mean, you know, very nitpicky of every little detail and it is a good way to get an edge is by looking at rumor mills and by being, you know, watching it, you know, every second, but just myself, I've gotten to the point where that's not necessary. And, and I really just, you know, I want any kind of investment if I'm interested in something being in an in investment. Um, I want it to really work on its own. You know, there's plenty of people trying to, to, to make money to where, you know, they can worry about the finer details and I can kind of reap the benefits of that. Uh, you know, so um, again, I'm going to try and be objective. There's going to be points where I am going to make my own opinions about Bitcoin. And I, you know, I'm going to, tr I will try my absolute best to say what is opinion and what isn't. We'll try and separate speculation from fact here. Um, but I may not do the best job. There may be things that I will miss. And if I miss things, please do not hesitate to, or if I get something wrong, I'm very open to the idea that I might get something wrong here. Um, I have, ex I have very extensive notes that I'm going to be going through throughout this episode about Bitcoin. And which means you may hear some clickety clacking of the keyboard and of the mouse and everything, because, you know, I'm going to be going through a lot of information, but Hey, it's a tech show. That's okay. I mean, why wouldn't you want to hear technology working during a tech show? It's kind of like when you watch Star Trek and you hear the hum of the engines the whole time. I love that. I used to put, you know what? Funny story. I used to put a fan in my room and I've heard other people do this too. 
in the middle of winter. It could be 10, negative 10 degrees outside uh, Fahrenheit. And I would, I would put on a fan. I wouldn't have it face me, but I'd put on a fan in the room to replicate that sound from like Star Trek where you could hear the hum of the engines. Anyway, total sidetrack. Um, so I have a lot of notes that I'm going to be going through here. Uh, this is, you know, this is kind of an introduction to Bitcoin, but then I I am towards the end, I'm definitely going to be getting into the area of opinion on what I actually think about them, um, and where I think they're going and, uh, and some other interesting insights on it too, I think. So, you know, let's, let's break right into this. What is Bitcoin? I'm going to spend the first few minutes here just explaining what exactly these things are and how they're, how they're, you know, how they're to be had. Um, and a Bitcoin is quite simply, it is a digital currency based on an open source protocol. And we like open source on, uh, on sovereign tech, uh, created by Satoshi Nakamoto on January 3rd, 2009. That's when they were released. I'm sure Satoshi Nakamoto was working on them long before. And Satoshi Nakamoto, just real quick, is a pseudonym. No one knows who exactly Satoshi Nakamoto is. Obviously, this was done in Japan. We, we can You can trace the, the paperwork to Japan. But the funny thing with Japan is, much like New Hampshire, where you have the Makowitz decision, which allows you to essentially choose whatever name you want, and, and theoretically, after five years, you are legally, you know, that is legally your name if you keep using it consistently from that point out. Um, in Japan, they have something very similar where it's very, very easy. I have some experience with this. It's very, very easy to, uh, you know, have, have a, have a pseudonym there that can be used on legal documents. So anyway, Satoshi Nakamoto is, uh, you know, is, is a pseudonym and you'll be hearing the name Satoshi a lot more throughout the show. Uh, the most, it is, uh, the most widely used alternative currency alternative as in something that isn't backed by a uh, you know, by a big central bank or by a government. Uh, and theoretically it is the most valuable currency in the world right now. Um, as of this recording, there's somewhere in the 18, almost $20 range, maybe going down, maybe going up, who knows, you know, this is, this is the nature of, of currency. Um, but now that's based on U S dollars. Okay. Now I know I have listeners all around the world and you'll have to apologize for my very, I am a, and, and, and I'm using a very careful word here. I am a denizen of the United States. Okay. Um, and as a denizen, my, my thinking and my, my worldview is very American centric, um, as a denizen of the United States, you know, since I reside here. So I apologize if a lot of the information I give out is very North American based. Um, and if you have other questions, if you can't find, you know, find out, I'm going to have a bunch of links in the show notes to where you can find out more about Bitcoins. And if you, but if you have questions that you, you really feel that you'd like, you know, my insights on, please do not hesitate to ask, uh, you know, at SovereignTech at Hush.ai or at SovereignTech.tumblr.com or go to the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash SovereignTech and all that can be done there, even on the SoundCloud page, SoundCloud.com slash SovereignTech. We're all over the place. Uh, you can also leave notes there and I can respond to you. Uh, and, you know, and just let me know and, and, and ask me. I mean, this is SovereignTech is what I do. Okay. Except for that, that little thing I do on Sunday nights called Free Talk Live. But I'm because that's not a little thing. Anyway, uh, so this is the most valuable currency in the world right now. And why is that? Well, because the greenback or the American dollar, the United States dollar is considered like the reserve currency of the world. Now, when what you have, a la Bitcoins, if you have Bitcoins and they're worth more than the reserve currency of the world, they are more valuable than the most valuable currency in the world. 
you know, even if it's worth only two U.S. dollars, it's more valuable than U.S. dollars. And I mean, there's things like the, uh, you know, there's there's other uh, currencies around the world that that are worth more than U.S. dollar. But this one happens to have the highest uh, highest ratio um, above it. So it's fair to say that it's the most valuable currency in the world. And that's why it's interesting to talk about. Um, okay. How many Bitcoins are there to achieve? I mean, there's like supposedly a limited amount of us dollars. Well, the printing presses in Washington DC would say that there's an unlimited amount of, uh, of us dollars. That's part of the problem. Um, but with Bitcoin, much like gold, there is a, it, there is a scarcity. It's a built in scarcity. Now this is a digital currency, which means it's completely made on computers and the internet without those doesn't fly. And when I say computers, I mean, a broad, uh, I mean, now refrigerators are computers. Now, uh, if you saw the, the, the recent 2013 CES, uh, Samsung came out with, with a refrigerator that you could access Facebook with, um, you know, and, and phones are computers now. In fact, I use my phone as my computer all the time these days. Uh, anyway, so without computers and the internet, Bitcoin doesn't work. Okay. Now, how many of these things are there? How many physical Bitcoins are there? There are, there are only going to be 21 million. That's it. There's going to be 21 million. And you say, well, you know, then that's not very good because that's going to turn into like a barter system to where, you know, one Bitcoin could equal, you know, a thousand dollars. And how do I break that up? You know, this is the old argument from Murray Rothbard that you can't like just keep hacking up gold coins, you know, and giving them just so much of a gold coin and so much of a gold coin for something else. Uh, and, and what you can do is because this is digital and this is really great is you can break down a Bitcoin, even though there's only going to be 21 million of them in existence for all time you can break them down to the eight to eight decimal points. Okay. And there's some talk about that. There's like, uh, you know, the, obviously the number before the decimal point on the, you know, on the left side of the decimal point, that's the Bitcoin. The theoretically, now this isn't, this isn't like Canon, this isn't fact, but some people have suggested these names. Um, the next three numbers on the right side of the decimal point will, would be called millicoins. And so like, essentially if you had 0.310 or, you know, 312, uh, Bitcoins, you would have 312 millicoins. And then the three after those, again, we can go back to eight decimal points. The three after those would be called micro coins. Then the next two would be called Satoshis, which I think is a clever name. And then the very last decimal point could be called nano coins, which all of that, I think that's pretty clever. Um, this is something that, that may be just catching on the, these words and phrases, but these are, these are important things to discuss and learning this, you're kind of ahead of the game too, because again, those names have not been like fully implemented. It's just a suggestion in like how to teach it to kids. And I think it's a great idea. I love it. Um, okay. So we're only going to have 21 millions of these things, but we can break them down to eight decimal points, which, you know, makes it almost, uh, you know, that that's pretty infinitesimal in, in how you can break it down at that point. Um, and the last Bitcoin is estimated to be mined in 2016. They're still mining them. Um, so what is mining Bitcoins? We know what Bitcoins are. It's a digital currency. It works not unlike a credit, a credit card, except it's not based on credit. It's based on a real currency. Um, you know, how, um, you know, how does it work exactly? It does work like a credit card in that you know, you just, you send the information, you send your wallet code, you have a Bitcoin wallet 
that which is digital the currency is digital and so thus your wallet is digital um you you have a digital wallet that you send the address of the wallet essentially the name of the wallet to someone else and then you know they send you their their wallet to send it to and then it's paid and so it works just like any other online form of payment it's very very simple um, and that allows for some of its anonymity which we'll talk about more in a little bit um, so what is mining Mining is how you actually get these things out. They, they, they created, this was genius because they were trying to make it essentially digital gold, not to be based on gold, but for it to be digital gold. And so they actually have you go through the process very similar, similar to what, you, what it takes to get gold to create, um, you know, like a kind of an artificial, though real. Okay. It's artificial as in it's digitally created but it's real in that it affects the price of the, of the, of the units of the Bitcoins, um, a, you know, an, an artificial, but real scarcity. And so this mining process has been going on ever since they were released. People keep mining them. They have computers. This is all done by a computer. Again, without the computer and the internet, this doesn't ha the Bitcoins do not exist. It doesn't happen. Um, there are physical Bitcoins. We'll talk about them later. And so with this mining, you, you know, the computer uses the CPU or the GPU and, you know, it accesses the, the algorithm that the Bitcoins are written on and, and it essentially chips away, you know, so much at, a, I mean, just picture like a, a digital piece of rock or something. And, and, and like the computer's just like a pickaxe at that rock and eventually it gets a Bitcoin out. Um, and so that's how that works. So, so it's just, it's constantly, you know, digging for gold. <laughs> Uh, or in this case, Bitcoins. And that's how the mining works. That all gets done by computers. You have programs that you put onto your, you know, onto your computer that, um, that allow for that to happen. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the mining process. I just want you to know how they are created, how they are found, um, or how they are brought into the market. Uh, but I will not be spending a whole lot of time on, on, on mining. And I can explain more of that as to why later. Okay. So that's what Bitcoins are. Now, they are also an anonymous, a potentially anonymous currency. Why are they anonymous? Because there's no names attached. There's no, um, you know, you don't have to like to get a, a Bitcoin wallet. You don't have to say, hi, my name is, uh, you know, uh, Henry Wrinkler. <laughs> and, you know, and, 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 you know, and you have to give your address and all that stuff. It's not based around any of that. It's, it's totally digital. It is not based around you know, really anything in the physical world. It's not based around your, your, phys, your, your house address. It's not based around your name. It's not based around your social security number, all of which are great things. So it is total, it is totally anonymous. Of course, if someone knew who now your wallet code, you know, is, is so many, uh, num, you know, uh, uh, alphanumeric characters long. Okay. And now if someone knew your, your series of alphanumeric characters, then yes, they'd know it's you, but otherwise, or, you know, you can say that it gets traced by your, your static IP address on your computer. Um, and we will talk about how to possibly get around that later. But the bottom line is, is that by its nature, it is anonymous by its nature. It is not attached to any one person. Okay. Or to any, you know, anything physical other than, a, other than a computer and a wallet file known as a wallet.dat. Now the wallet.dat or the wallet.dat is the single most important file 
um, of this whole thing. It is the single most important part of this whole thing. You have to have that wallet.dat that has all your information. That literally holds your Bitcoins, that holds your transactions, that holds it all. That, if you take nothing else away from this, make sure that you are constantly backing up your wallet.dat Um there you, you can put it on. I have it set up. There is uh, online wallets, which there's advantages to those. There's online wallets and with online wallets. Um, you know, it's not actually even stored on your computer at that point. It's stored up on a server. And with that, there are, there's one blockchain.info is, and that's actually the website, www.blockchain.info. And on there, they can back up your wallet, uh, dat file dot dat file to your google drive you know to all various kinds of cloud storage services or they you can download it to your computer just so you constantly have a backup just in case if their server ever goes down um you know your your bitcoins are safe so that's how all that works um now here here's some of the questions about about bitcoins um oh well let, let's go into you know how can i how can i get some of these uh, there are various, um, you know, a myriad ways of getting them. Um, you can go to bitinstant.com, which allows you to, I, I'm trying to think there are, uh, there are very few countries. There's a total of 10 countries that you can use bitinstant.com to, to get Bitcoins and, and bitinstant is really the easiest way because you just take cash, you go there and, uh, you know, and, and this is relatively anonymous in and of itself, this whole transaction you know, you go there, you give them the money, and then, uh, you know, to you go to like a, a, a Shaw's or you go to a, a price shopper, pretty much anywhere that takes like a money gram. You can go to the website and it gives you the whole list of what they can take. And you pay for it. And then, you know, they send the code off to kind of like Western Union. They send the code off to, to bitinstant.com. And then bitinstant sends it to, you know, uh, MT Gox, it's, which is a an exchange. Um and that's another important part of this. We'll go into that. Uh, or it can send to your email address. And BitInstant, I th the 10 countries right now that they have listed, they used to have more, but they're running into some issues. Um, BitInstant.com covers the United States, the Bahamas, the Cayman Islands, which that, I will warn, that pr that's probably the next country that's going to go. The Cayman Islands is having some real problems. Uh, Kazakhstan, which is not shocking. Kazakhstan is one of those really rare countries. It's kind of like Monaco. Um or, you know, pick picture like these tax haven countries. And it is one of those, like the richest of the rich hang out in Kazakhstan. And so the, the gloves are off as far as, uh, you know, a lot of economic controls in that country. Um, also it is the country that's known for the bank that hands out these, these credit cards that are literally gold. Um, it's literally gold. It's completely made of gold credit card. Uh, anyway, Puerto Rico is an, is another area where you can do this. Uh, the Russian Federation, and uh the turks and caicos islands the ukraine uh and the british and u.s virgin islands so you have 10 locations where that can be done and then it'll send what it can do is, is it can either send it to an email address of your choosing or it can go to a bitcoin exchange now a bitcoin exchange is a lot like you i mean you may not have seen this sort of thing but it's a lot like a foreign exchange it's a lot it's not very different from some degree of bank sites where that's that's where these things bitcoins get bought and sold and you can have accounts there and you can you know do a literal exchange um we'll be back with more sovereign tech and we'll get into this a little deeper
You're listening to Sovereign Tech with me, Brian Sovereign, the man who always wears triple black. Sovereign Tech is a show about science and technology and how it can set you free. Remember, Sovereign Tech only endorses businesses and products that we genuinely believe in and support ourselves. If you have a product or website that you would like to have reviewed, you can email the show at SovereignTech at Hush.ai. Please keep in mind that the reviews on Sovereign Tech pull no punches. Thanks for listening. And we are back with more Sovereign Tech. This is our very first special. This is our Bitcoin special. Very exciting. Um, okay, let's get right back into it. And now, what are the what are some of the attractions to Bitcoins? One of the big ones is that it doesn't have any fees. Okay, or at least it has very small ones. And I mentioned the mining Bitcoin mining before. Now, the way that that this, you know, that the way there isn't any cheating in Bitcoins so that like the codes, you know, all match up that like the wallet codes that you send out and everything is that when you when you send, you know, Bitcoins to another wallet um, or you make a request for Bitcoins or whichever, it gets verified by a computer with a mining program, which is on the Internet. OK, and it's kind of decentralized. And when it does get verified, so you can offer to give, you know, the miner that verifies it a small, you know, a small fee, a small chunk of the bitcoins. And that's pretty much up to you unless it is a service that is requiring a certain amount. Um, and these miners are literally doing all the work to make bitcoins what they are. So it's a, it's a worthy fee. And I mean, depending and, and as far as how much is that fee, you know, they just take a, a specified amount of bitcoins how much that's worth is varied upon the market at the time. You know, if it's, if, if they want 0. 0.00001 Bitcoins, um, you know, that could be worth a dollar that could be worth a hundred dollars, you know, but bottom line is, is just, they, they usually take a small fee out of the big, otherwise there are no fees other than that little mining fee that is, uh, becoming less, less and less prevalent. Um, because I think a lot of these miners have, have really made their money. Um, so let, let's get into, the, I mentioned earlier, there's, there were physical Bitcoins, okay? And then this is going to lead into another topic. But what they're called, they're called Casatius coins. Um, they also had bars. And these were available by, uh, by uh, a guy, Roger Ver, who helped, did it with like memory dealers. He was selling them through there. Now they don't cost, okay, now a Casatius coin is worth one Bitcoin, the, the one coin. And it's a little, you know, gold coin. It's not really gold, but it's golden color. And it has a hologram and a little sticker on it that on the back of it, which has a, a code that can be redeemed. It's like a wallet code that can be redeemed so that you can get that Bitcoin. Um, and they also had bars that were worth like a hundred Bitcoins. that looked like, you know, uh, like a gold, you know, like something in Fort Knox, you know what I mean? Or they had like a 20 or 25, um, I don't know that it was a coin, but like a, a thing that was worth that much. And it would have the sticker and, you know, and you could peel off uh, the top of the sticker and there would be the code. Um, and obviously the idea was, is that if you, you know, if, if, if the, the coin had the, the sticker peeled off, you would fig you wouldn't trust it. You'd figure that it was already used. Um, and now there were some problems with, with the physical coins that people had. Um, one of them being, you know, you there was the necessity that you had to trust the producer 
or any intermediary um, to not have kept the private key that was on there, the, the key that was under the sticker, you know, uh, the, the company that made it, you'd have to trust them that they didn't actually like keep the key at some point in that, you know, in the near future, they could pull some kind of like uh, some kind of scheme and, you know, use up all their all their keys. And then, you know, 20 years down the line, when you finally decide to cash in, you know, your Casatius coins, all the keys are already used up and you had no idea because it was done 20 years before. So there's the you know, there's that trust issue that existed with them. Um, they were expensive. They are expensive to make. And so when you'd buy one, say from memory dealers or wherever you got them from, when you'd buy one, they, they would cost sometimes I think even double of what a Bitcoin was actually worth in us dollars and the price would reflect. So, um, so, you know, that, that's kind of an issue because why pay more for something that's digital anyway, that doesn't require, you know, a, a physical existence. Um, and then of course there's the lack of divisibility because, you know, bitcoins can be broken down to eight decimal points and with the, with the casatious coins or bars, you know, you, you can't devise them at least not in your hand. You could devise them once you redeem the, the private key on the back off the sticker and put it in your wallet, but you couldn't, you could, there, there was no divisibility, you know, in hand. So that was a problem too. Uh, so I don't think they've ever really, I mean, they're still out there. I don't think they're going to really take off. This is my opinion on it. Um, and that's okay because it was really an appeal. I think these were made as an appeal to people to say, no, it is real money. You know, it was almost, I, I think it was like a marketing trick. Um, but again, that's just my opinion and it could have been made for reasons that I'm just not aware of. But so why did they feel they needed to do this marketing trick? And that's a good question because one of the initial criticisms to Bitcoin is that it's not actually a commodity or a good. These aren't like vegetables that you can just, you know, change hands with and say, well, here, I'll give you, you know, two apples for one orange. They're, they they don't have an intrinsic, it's true. They don't have an intrinsic value. Bitcoins are completely digital. They are ones and zeros on a computer, on a network, and they can't be used like gold can be used, you know, to, uh, you know, for various electrical purposes and things like that. Um, and Bitcoin, you know, it just, it doesn't have any use other than as a medium of exchange. It's a pure medium of exchange. Now, some people say that makes it a fiat currency. I disagree because a fiat currency requires a central centralized, um, you know, issuing authority it requires a bank. It requires this. This doesn't require anything. It doesn't require anybody. It doesn't even require the big exchanges that are out there like, like, uh, Mt. Gox, um, and some other ones like trade Hill that got shut down. Uh, a year or so, a couple of years ago. Um, so it's not a fiat currency and you know, that, that raises a lot of problems for people because you know, the, the, the fact that, that to them, it's just not real, you know, it doesn't, it's, it, and I understand that concern, you know, um, but in, in other ways they are, but the thing is, is, you know, the dollar doesn't have a whole lot backing it either. And they are just like dollars. Now I understand the dollar doesn't drop to like an absolute zero because it's recognized as legal tender. But then part of the attraction to bitcoins is that it's not recognized by governments. And I don't myself, my opinion, I don't want it to be, I have no interest in it being recognized by anybody. Um, so sure. They don't have an intrinsic value. Um, you know, so they can't be used for anything other than a medium of exchange. And we'll be right back with some more. We'll talk about this a bit more as soon as we get back from the break. This is Brian Sovereign. You're listening to Sovereign Tech.
Are you ready? I've never seen anyone so treated like a a god in my life. Brian Sovereign as guest co-host tomorrow night, and so that should be a good show. And on that note, uh, what we, we just added to- Brian Sovereign. Okay, we haven't. Oh, is he good? He's, he's been in the audience. He's, oh, yeah, he's yeah, certainly got opinions on things. Yes. I'm so close to being like God. No one is above me. Okay, absolutely no one. I don't take <laughs> orders from anybody. And uh, I mean that—that's how much closer to God can you get? Is there anything he doesn't do better than everyone else? Oh, that's just his way of talking. He's one of the best. Break it down. Catch Sovereign Tech, the show about technology and how it can set you free with me, Brian Sovereign. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N at SoundCloud.com slash Sovereign Tech. I am back, Brian Sovereign, the Rembrandt of the podcast canvas and we are on our bitcoin special and we're going to get right back into it and we were talking about you know what makes bitcoin real it's a digital currency so it doesn't have a physical existence per se so what makes it real and here here's really the nature of money this is what i want to bring up is that you know person a okay builds a product because he expects there will be a demand for it fine or he somehow markets his own demand whatever Okay, so person B then buys it because he has a use for it or he thinks there is a future in it. And this can't, that relationship begins to fall apart in the barter system. Okay, because you, you can't give a person half of a shovel and expect it to be used, you know, but a, um, you know, but a full shovel may not be worth the clove of garlic that somebody collected. And so you have to have mediums, you know, universally accepted, not universally, but at least voluntarily accepted units of exchange, mediums of exchange. And, and Bitcoin does this. Okay. It does it, you know, effortlessly. Um, you know, people like it for, for it's it, the kind of the attitude it brings along with it because it doesn't have these big fees. Governments aren't behind it. This is very important. Governments aren't behind it. Banks aren't in control of it. You know, it just, it kind of runs on its own. It's like gold. It's very, very much like gold. It's just digital. Okay. Now, like I mentioned before the break, okay, so it doesn't have the intrinsic value that gold does, but why is, why does gold have all that wonderful, what does that intrinsic value have to do with any kind of value anyway? I mean, if intrinsic value was the true measure of a medium of exchange, copper should be the most demanded metal in the world and it's not it's it's i mean it's worth pennies i think that price is going to go up by the way just a little future hint but copper is you know practically worthless it's just so because of the scarcity or whatever there's so much of it but why is gold such a big deal that's that's what be no one asks that question where did gold even like even in murray rothbard's works there's no real big discussion of how how did gold even become a currency okay well gold's backed up by six thousand years and what you know and 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 their immediate answer is well it can be used in electronics there's ten thousand companies out there that use gold uh for various things you know and all that well what so six thousand years ago there were ten thousand companies that use gold no of course there wasn't so where it's a fallacy. Where did the value of gold come from? Boy, just because it was pretty? 
Now, people will come up with that, but then I have a question. You know, the the ancients will call them, you know, uh, Samaria, uh, you know, Rome, Greece, uh, though their greatness isn't in that order. You know, they they knew what pyrite was. They knew when something wasn't gold. Now, I understand there's people who say, well, gold was used in like medicinal stuff way back when. Not that much. Not as much as silver anyway. I can kind of understand where silver gets its backing. And there was a time, you know, this is an interesting historical fact. There was a time after, after the Visigoths destroyed um, what may be the greatest civilization man's ever known, that being the Roman Empire, they, silver became the currency. Gold wasn't even really thought about. It was thought about a little over to, you know, to the east in the Byzantine Empire, in the Byzantium. But gold lost its, you know, its flavor in society, in the grandness of Europe, which is where, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's all we're society, you know, Western civilization. Woo -hoo -hoo. So gold wasn't, doesn't have 6,000 years backing it up anyway. It has at least, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a good six, 700 years where it lost its history, where it, where it had, it, it was, it wasn't a big deal. So to say that gold, some, someone needs to answer that question. How did gold become such a big deal? I don't have the answers to that. I have theories on why that is, but that's not what the show's about. The show's about Bitcoins. But I think there's something a lot bigger to, to the story of gold. But the bottom line is, is that when people attack it, that it has no use like gold and you shouldn't buy Bitcoins because you should be buying gold. I'm not convinced, especially, you know, these, these are the kind of people that are expecting like economic collapses and everything, society to fall apart and all that. What good is gold going to do you? I mean, it's tough to break up. There's a reason it got stuck. It was, you know, they, the people, society stopped using it. They, they always had it as the backing, but there's a reason they stopped using it, carrying it around in their pockets because you know, you know, it just, you can't keep chipping away little pieces of gold. You have to create mediums of exchange that work and Bitcoin fulfills all of these duties. Now, if you have an answer to what I call the gold fallacy, as in how did gold become anything important? Um, again, 6,000 years ago, I understand why, you know, the point to it today. I get it. I'm talking about 6,000 years ago. How did gold become a big deal? Um, you know, email me sovereigntech at hush.ai. I'd love to have the conversation with you. I would absolutely love to have that conversation. So, you know, that's a huge question to ask, and we're going to have some more uh, answers not to that, but we're going to have some answers and some bigger questions coming right up on Cyber Tech. In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity, it is our last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon 5. All fighter squadrons launched. Get us out of here. Return fire. Freedom. Watch Babylon 5. You can watch Babylon 5 and experience the greatest show in television history. See the entire series completely free by going to the wb.com slash shows slash Babylon 5. I am back. It is I, Brian Sovereign. 
the apex of own sauce. I know I have so many names, but most of them I didn't come up with. You know what my favorite is? I actually had someone call me secretary at once. And if you get what that is, send me an email. Let me know because if you could get what what that would what that would entail, I, I'd I'd get a good charge out of um, out of hearing that what what people think that means. But anyway. Um, okay, so let's, let's shake things up a little bit and let's talk about the actual software that you can use on your computer to, to run Bitcoin. And what you have is what they call clients, which is like, you know, what, what controls your wallet file. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, there's blockchain.info, which allows you to, uh, you know, to have your Bitcoins available, you know, on, in the cloud, on the internet. And you can actually download an app onto your phone from blockchain that, um, you know, that, that, that allows you to access your wallet on the go. And if your computer crashes, you know, and you didn't back up your wallet.dat file, remember, back up your wallet.dat file. That's right. Back that wallet up. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so you can do that. Uh, you know, you can use blockchain, but... You know, what if what if you don't trust those servers? And, and, and I totally understand that. In fact, why do people want to even put it on a server anyway? That's a good question, because there's a, there's an inherent little problem that I'm sure was thought about. But maybe maybe they're anticipating some higher end technologies. And the problem is, is that on these clients on your on that the programs that you put on your computer that control your wallet, the client, OK, the, the Bitcoin client. And there's a few of them. The problem with them is that they have to download the entire blockchain. And what the blockchain is, this isn't the website www.blockchain.info. The blockchain is all the information that has, like, every transaction, you know, uh, that, that Bitcoin has gone through and every mining process that Bitcoin has gone through uh, in the file. And that has to be downloaded every once in a while to, and, and at least once a week, if not more, um, to you know, to your computer so that you can transact in bitcoins. Now, the problem with that is that over over the years since 2009, you know, that, that the pro, that that file was originally only a few meg, a few megabytes. Now it's like four, five, six gigabytes. It's this huge file that takes forever to download. I've heard some people saying it takes like a week, you know, uh, to to even download it. I mean, and that depends on your internet speeds. And so that's a real flaw to have to constantly download this huge file to be able to do things. That's a problem. Um, and so what's, what's the solution to that? Uh, you can use, again, you can still use, you know, these, these regular client programs at, you know, at big, like Bitcoin.com or whatever. And, but you're just going to have to deal with that blockchain. So that's why a lot of people have gone to blockchain.info because you don't have to download the, you know, you don't have to download the blockchain. It's all up there. It's all in the cloud. It's all on the internet. And you just instantly access your Bitcoins and you instantly transact with your Bitcoins and everything's nice and easy. But the trade-off is, is that you're not so much controlling, you know, your, your wallet.dev file. Um, and so, you know, what do you do there? Well, there is a hybrid solution and it's called Electrum. Okay. And, and I'll link to a lot of this stuff in the show notes and Electrum essentially it keeps the wallet file on your computer, keeps your Bitcoins on your computer, keeps them kind of directly under your control, but it connects to a server that has the blockchain. So it's an in-between idea and it works really well. I know people that, that trust it, you know, quite significantly. Um, now, as, as far as my own opinion on this matter, uh, I generally trust everything, all my Bitcoins with, with blockchain.info. And here's some of the reasons. 
um, or I used to use InstaWallet. InstaWallet's another one too, where your wallet code is actually a web address that gets uniquely made for you. And if you lose that web address, you know, it's an HTTP, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it, it, they're gone. You're, they're not, they're out there, but you, you know, if you don't know the wallet, you know, the, 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 uh, the URL, you, you've lost them. Um, anyway, so there's that Insta wallet's another option too. And that also to some degree works with, with, uh, with smartphones as well. Um, so you have the, the problem of, um, the, the Bitcoin client uses, uh, you know, some, some different communication like APIs, um, which are essentially, uh, you know, protocols to, you know, to talk to one server to another. And on some operating systems, some Linux operating systems anyway, these APIs for security reasons are closed off. Uh, Fedora, which is probably my favorite operating system, blocks those off. So, you know, I, I'm not, you, you, you can run, you know, you can essentially get the, the client on Fedora, but it's not going to do anything once you get it there. And so a web-based solution is a good idea, but this is the thing, you know, with a lot of people going to, to different like Chrome OS, which is Google's, uh, you know, latest thing where it, it's just a computer that just connects to the internet, you know, and it has very little hardware in itself and it just uses all this stuff, you know, online. Um, that would be another reason to get into blockchain.info if you were using one of those, because you couldn't download a physical, I mean, there's like a 16 gig hard drive in the average Chrome OS laptop. Um, but you know, you wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, to put a client on there. So for the ease, you know, and, and going around the world and especially considering, um, that the, how terrible in the United States anyway, how terrible it is to get through the TSA and to just travel anywhere, you know, I think it's going to get to the point where either the TSA is going to have to go, um, we could only wish, or p- the opposite is going to occur where people like their computers are just going to get taken randomly. I mean, there's been stories where TSA people have taken like Nintendo Wii's. They've taken tons of people's electronics. And hey, if your bitcoins are on your are on your laptop, game over. Tr- just try and get your stuff back from the TSA. You know, that that's not happening. So again, a more cloud-based solution I think is the lesser of two evils. I hate to use that phrase, but that's how I feel on it. Um you know, maybe do like a two-step solution. I know some people that will take like little, they'll take one of their old netbooks and they'll use it like cold storage for a certain amount of Bitcoins. And then they'll keep uh, Bitcoins like online and InstaWallet or blockchain.info. And that's a good idea. That's a nice hybrid idea. Um, you know, just keep what you spend and lock the rest away, put it under the mattress proverbially. And, I'll, you know, I like, I like that solution a lot. That works too. Um, but in combination with, uh, you know, with having to download the, the entire blockchain to your computer, which can potentially take forever. Um, and with the incredible ease and the fact, I remember, like I said earlier, blockchain.info, that website, which you can hold all your Bitcoins there, you can back up your wallet.dev file to whatever you want. Google drive again, uh, Dropbox or to your computer or to an email address. You can back it all up and, so you're not, it's not like, like Insta wallet. If you lose the, you know, the URL code, you're, you're done. So I really think blockchain.info is the best way to go about that. Just my opinion. You may feel differently and we'll talk about this and more on Sovereign Tech coming up.
What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Welcome back to Sovereign Tech. Um, you know, just putting this out there, uh, I think you probably just heard the ad for LRN, and I'd love to get the show onto LRN. If you want to email Ian Freeman, the head of LRN, that's it. That's Ian at freetalklive.com. Send him an email and say, you know, I've heard the show Sovereign Tech. I'd love to hear it on LRN. Um, LRN is, a, you know, obviously, as you heard, the Liberty Radio Network. In fact, I imagine anybody hearing this that hasn't heard of LRN, I'd, I'd be kind of shocked, but... Okay, let's get back into Bitcoin. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about mining. Um, this is going to be more or less me on opinion, but what has recently happened, and this is a recording in January 2013, um, they've recently started releasing this company called Avalon. They made specific uh, computers called miners. They call them ASIC miners, and these things cost about 1300 bucks a pop, okay? And these miners are designed to to mine bitcoins as fast as possible to do it as best they can they're like just these giant gpu machines or they're not giant they're not that big but um and and that's all they're meant to do is mine bitcoins mine bitcoins mine bitcoins uh you can do it with regular computers you can do it i mean as long as it has some degree of you know decent cpu speed or gpu speed you can do it but these asic miners are changing everything um and they're probably going to drive the price of Bitcoin down because the ASIC miners are just going to mine things so fast now, now that they're in existence. Okay. Um, and I won't go into exactly, you know, the, the specifics of how they mine so fast, but suffice it to say they're, they're built to do so. Um, so if you want to do some mining, I mean, it's still okay to get mining, but you're not going to get the big payoff. And I question now, some people had kind of pre-ordered these ASIC miners, uh, you know, like a while back because they were announced a while back and it took a while for them, for them to get them. Um, I don't, I really don't feel that they're, that in the immediate future, as in like the next five years, I don't think there's a big enough payoff worth spending the $1,300 to get one. Um, and however long it even takes to get to you. I mean, who knows? They, they could be so backed up with orders. I'm not sure about this, but they could be so backed up with orders that, you know, it could take a year. Uh, I think for a lot of miners that have already, you know, you know, that have these huge mining projects going on, it's worth it to them because they've already made, you know, their, their proverbial millions. And so I think it's worth it for that. But if you're new into, into Bitcoin, I really don't, don't see this. I don't think this, I wouldn't recommend this route bottom line. Um, if you're just getting into mining, but if you want to do a little bit of mining, um, there's YouTube videos you can look up about, you know, just type in mining Bitcoins and people will tell you how to go into that. Um, and as far as operating systems to use for mining bitcoins and operating systems are important, like I was saying in the last segment, uh, you want to use either, you know, Mac OS X or Windows or Ubuntu. Ubuntu can handle, uh, you know, doesn't like block off anything required and, you know, any, any security holes required for mining. Um, so keep those in mind, you know, when, when you're doing your mining, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, 
So yeah, again, I don't really recommend that. Uh, another quick point I want to make is that this is all open source, okay, which which is important to a lot of people, and I understand it's you know open source is important to me too. Now, open source, of course, means that anybody can look at the you know at, at the code that makes up these programs or whichever, or that makes up bitcoins, and they can make their own. And there have been alternative bitcoin alternatives to bitcoin or complementary currencies to bitcoin that have come out based off of the bitcoin code. Okay, now what's the big concern there? Is that oh, someone's going to rewrite the code because it's open source. And if it's open source, anybody can look at it and anybody can do anything and nothing's safe and we're all going to die. No. Open so the, the thing is, is that you open source is community built. It's usually not built by just one guy. And the changes made to the code, if someone made, you know, uh, malintended, um, you know, changes to the code, it would have to go through everybody, you know, the, it would have to go through everybody at Bitcoin. Do you see what I'm saying? And then it would have to actually, it wouldn't just have to go through them. It'd have to get uploaded. Like this new version of the Bitcoin client would have to get uploaded to Bitcoin.com and everybody would have to download it for it to take effect. And the chance, and, and this is why decentralization is so great. And this is why anarchy is so great because there's, there are no controls. There are no central hubs of power. Okay. So it solves its own problem. That's not to say, and we're going to talk about these in a minute. That's not to say that there aren't dangers to Bitcoin. There are there, there, and, and we'll get into those. Um, but there's still a little bit in the future. Anyway, we'll be right back and we'll discuss those dangers in a moment. This is Brian Sullivan. Are you searching for a mouthwatering, all-natural, sweet and sticky treat? What if I told you it was also made by a chef who believes in freedom, just like you? You're not dreaming. This is real. Head over to mandrik.com. That's M-A-N-D-R-I-K.com. There you'll find George's famous baklava in classic and dark chocolate flavors. Mm. To those with special health needs, George's famous baklava also has a treat for you. Golden Delicious Low-Carb Gluten-Free Almond Cookies. Order with PayPal or Bitcoins. In just a few days, your sweet treats will await you right at your doorstep. One more time, that's M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com for George's Famous Baklava. And we are back for more Bitcoin been a great episode so far um covering a lot of ground and again if you have any questions uh, about anything i've said or if you have any kind of further questions or recommendations or corrections that i could put into the show notes later email me at sovereigntech at hush.ai or get in touch with me through the facebook page or the tumblr page sovereigntech.tumblr.com or even through the soundcloud page soundcloud.com sovereigntech um okay so we we're going to talk about some of the dangers to Bitcoin, you know, like, okay, this is digital. Okay. So the open source problem solved. We don't really have to worry so much about the open source, but what can happen because it is digital, you know, computers get attacked all the time. Even the CIA gets hacked by anonymous and you know, they can't do anything about it. What happens if somebody attacks Bitcoins because Bitcoins completely rely upon the internet and upon computers. The first thing I want to touch on with that is that people say, well, it's based on computers, so you know it can't be trusted because what if all the computers go away? What if the internet goes away? It can't be trusted. You know, it's going to lose its value. Let me tell you, if computers go away and the internet goes away, 
the last thing on your mind is going to be money. The first thing on your mind is going to be food and finding it from somewhere because everything's just going to turn into absolute chaos if computers and the internet go away. And you're not going to care about Bitcoins. You're not going to care about dollars. And believe me, you're not going to care about gold. Um, toilet paper might be a good investment. I'd recommend that. Anyway, that future, in my opinion, is not coming. We're heading more towards the sprawl. If you're not sure what the sprawl is, head, for, head to Wikipedia for that one. Um, okay, so what are the, what are the, the computer-based uh, concerns that could happen? And one of the things that, that Bitcoin is susceptible to are what are known as DDoS attacks. Now, this is kind of a news buzzword that gets tossed around. Um, and DDoS attacks are denial-of-service attacks that get done. This is like I mentioned how the CIA gets attacked by Anonymous. Okay, what they'll do is, is they'll like flood the CIA servers with requests, you know, like various requests of, you know, I need this, I need that. You know, one computer telling another what they need. And when it gets flooded with so much, the server shuts down because it's just too much info going back and forth. Okay, uh, this is also called flashing. Uh, that's P-H-L-A-S-I-N-G. Um, so that flashing, um, or, or no, the flashing is the alternative. There's the flooding and then there's flashing. Sorry. And flashing is what happens there is that a computer gets into the server of, you know, like say the, say the CIA or whatever, and then it replaces the firmware for the server so that essentially the server becomes bricked and it, and it's gone. Okay. Now, Potentially, Bitcoin could be affected by these things, but Bitcoin in its own, in its very code and nature has a lot of securities. Again, part of its peer to peer nature inherently keeps it from being affected by DDoS, but there's a lot of things in the code that, that secure it from these sort of attacks. And I don't think you're going to be seeing anything like that happening in the near future. Now, exchanges might get taken down, which has happened. Various exchange sites have gotten shut down by DDoS attacks. This could happen, admittedly, to blockchain.info that I've been touting. But if you have your wallet.dat, you know, back that up, um, you'd, you'd be in good shape, okay, as long as you had your dat file backed up. And, uh, what can, what can happen here though? So, so these can be affected, you know, the, these big, you know, sites that, that are holding all these Bitcoin or whatever could, could get taken down by these attacks. Um, but not, not the whole Bitcoin network, the peer to peer network of Bitcoin couldn't be attacked unless here's the caveat. There is a, there, there is a thing, there is a device devices that have been created and they're called quantum computers. Now, maybe sometime in the future, I'll do a whole special on quantum computers. They've just recently started to get built. They were first theorized in 1981. So they were theorized the year I was born. Uh, a lot of great things came out of 81, including quantum computers and myself, but these quantum computers essentially, I don't want to get too into too much specifics about them, but the average computer runs on ones and zeros. Okay. So it can only do two things at a time. I mean, it can multitask, but it multitasks within the overall process of two things at a time, ones and zeros. Quantum computers do not are unlimited in the amount of things that they can do at any time. So if a quantum computer got unleashed on any network or series of networks, it'd be, you know, with today's modern computing, Okay. With moderning, you know, digital, the word digital, digital computing, and this is a digital currency. Digital means ones and zeros. That's all the word digital means. And if, if a quantum computer was unleashed on a network of digital computers, again, that only do two processes, ones and zeros. Yeah, that could crash everything. 
Now, the quantum computers we've seen, okay, the science behind it is very, very crazy. Uh, I mean, it's, it's real, but it's, it's very, very difficult to do. And again, I, that's something I could talk about more later. But these quantum computers could be a problem um, to where they could shut down, you know, everything, potentially, as far as Bitcoin goes. But those kind of quantum computers don't exist yet. So, you know, but I just, full disclosure, I have to put that out there. Um, so that's a concern, but I don't think it, it's, it's a very serious one. The more, the thing I'm more concerned about with Bitcoin is there's like a group out there called the Bitcoin foundation. Now what they are, they're, they're a foundation. They're designed to educate. They're going to like hacker conferences. I think they're going to even going to like CES. They're going to all these trade shows and whatever to get people to know about Bitcoin, which is great. I am, I fully support educating people about Bitcoin. That's part of the reason I'm making this podcast, but here's, here's the gaffe. They are also interested in regulation. They are interested in governments being aware of Bitcoin. They are interested in governments, you know, like knowing how to react to Bitcoins. And that's a, and, and that's a problem for, to, to my opinion. Now, maybe you think that's okay because there's people who think that politics can solve liberty issues, which I, I'm an anarchist. I don't think so. Um, and in so doing, you're going to bring on the more attention you bring on to Bitcoin, I think the more controlled it can become, um, it, I want it to be aware to everyday people. I want it to be aware to even investors. I want it to be made aware to, to, to all kinds of people, but I want, I wish no regulation whatsoever upon my currency. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really kind of disturbed that that's part of the Bitcoin foundations and maybe they can email, if they hear the show, they can email me and correct me and I'll do it on air. I'll make the correction. I won't just do that one in the show notes. I'll make the correction, but governments have no business in my trading and my voluntary interactions with people. That's why I'm an anarchist. Cause I don't believe, I believe anytime they touch something, people with power touch something, it kind of falls apart. Now I don't believe that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. But that's a discussion for another time. Um, but to, okay. So, so I'm glad that they're educating out there, but I'm very, very worried that people are going to try and find political solutions to get Bitcoin available in other areas. Um, you know, and, and that's not good. I mean, in Canada, they've had so many problems. Canada, you had Trade Hill, which was an exchange site, second only to Mount Gox at its height. And Canada shut it down because they were afraid. Um, you know, Canada, up until recently, and in fact, I had a caller call me in on, on, on Free Talk Live and told me about CanadianBitcoin.com, where they're starting a new exchange. And CanadianBitcoin.com works like BitInstant.com to where you can get your Bitcoins in Canada, I think you have to work, you have to go to, you don't have to have an account with, but you have to go to TD Bank to do that, um, which is fine. TD's kind of everywhere. I, I like TD Bank myself, you know, as far as liking banks goes, I don't really like them. Um, so do you see what I'm saying here? Getting governments involved, you know, and, and, and the argument is, is that, well, if we make them aware, they won't be scared of it, you know, and they'll let it slide. No, I don't think so. To, because it's money going around and to think that, that an organization, you know, that, that loves taxation wouldn't want a piece of it. Uh, I think that's ludicrous. They, they are going to want a piece of that. So I'm not very supportive of the Bitcoin foundation, uh, or other guys of their ilk, but they can correct me. Sovereign tech at hush.ai. I'll be right back with more sovereign tech. Oh, yeah. 
This is Stephanie Murphy, Sovereign Tech Producer. You may know me from this show, but did you know that I have my own podcast? It's called Pork Therapy. Pork Therapy is a bit different from other shows. We cover current events, big ideas, and even relationship issues, all through the lens of how we can get more freedom in our lives. Oh, and you'll love Sex and Science Hour. Join me on my website, porktherapy.com. That's P-O-R-C therapy.com. Now back to Sovereign Tech. And welcome back to Sovereign Tech for our Bitcoin special. It is I alone, Brian Sovereign, with you. Always a pleasure. And uh, let's get right back into the Bitcoins. One of the things I, I want to talk about that I want to get out there is perhaps, you know, one of the beauties of, of Bitcoin is the anonymity of it, the anonymousness. And to guarantee your anonymity so that, like, nobody knows what wallet codes are going back and forth, or not to guarantee, but at least maybe get as close as possible. I don't think there's anything, just as, as a tech host, I'll give you my opinion, I don't think there's anything, uh, th- there's no more anonymity, there's no more privacy. It's gone. It's just, with the internet, it's just gone away. But I don't know that that's necessarily a terrible thing. Another discussion for another time. But a good anonymous way to do this um, is to, what you can do is, is go through Tor, okay? And first off, though, go through a VPN. Now, if, you don't, if you're not sure some of the stuff I'm about to talk about, there is a, uh, a uh, it was a normal episode, but it was it was the New Year, the 2013 New Year security special. You can find it at SoundCloud.com slash Sovereign Tech, where I was talking with Christoph, and he actually, I think, came up with this idea that I'm about to tell you, and you can find out there what all these things mean. But anyway, you can get a VPN, a virtual private network, access the internet through that, and then get on Tor, the, the Onion router, the Tor, the Tor network, okay? You can, you can get the, the Tor browser. I'll link to the stuff in the show notes. And then through Tor, you can get a Tor email account that only works in Tor. Okay, so you got to be going through Tor. The VPN is kind of important, but Tor being the most important. Um, Get that Tor email account. Then go to, uh, you know, then do bitinstant.com or canadianbitcoin.com. And what you do is you have, you go, and then you go and do your transaction, whatever that may be. And then you have the, uh, the Bitcoins get sent to your Tor email account, the Tor email account. Okay. And then for extra measure, you could use something like Coinapult, which, uh, like just sends, sends, um, it, it can send Bitcoins through SMS or email. I'll, I'll link to it. It's, it's a pretty nice service and relatively free. Um, and then use Coinapult from your Tor email address to an email address where you can actually make use of it. Or, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, then either like put it on your computer or send it to blockchain.info and that'll relatively hide all these addresses going back and forth that process. So I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll try and put that in the show notes and explain it as easily as I can, but that's about the best uh, concept I've heard to how to, how to really do a good anonymous uh, transfer of Bitcoins, because while Bitcoins are anonymous, you know, the internet isn't so anonymous and you really got to take some drastic steps to get any degree of privacy or anonymity. Um, but it is, Bitcoins are as close as we'll ever get to an, an anonymous currency, at least in the near future, in my opinion. Um, 
Okay, so real quick, I want to discuss some of the successes of Bitcoin. It is something that is being talked about. Um, it's in Market Watch. It's being talked about in uh, McLean's. Uh, there's even there's like a Bitcoin magazine. You can I think it's BitcoinMagazine.com. Um, it's being talked about in Forbes. It's being talked about all over the place. This is serious. This is real. Okay, and people are accepting it because value is subjective. Okay. Uh, people have to think that gold's worth something to where they consider worth something. So if you consider Bitcoin's worth something, there it is. You subjectively value that and that's okay. And so you can use it. Um, so that's why people are getting interested because so many people subjectively value Bitcoin. doesn't matter if it has intrinsic value. If it's subjectively valued, it's valued. That's, that's how it is. And, um, you know, so, so th it's getting all this, you know, all this press, which is great. And arguably people are saying, well, drug dealers are using it and that's why it's so popular. Um, but Hey, you know, the shadow economy, you know, kind of leads the normal economy all the time anyway. Um, but one, one good example or, you know, good or bad is up to you, uh, you know, is, is for gambling. It's being used for gambling because in the United States, gambling is illegal online. Um, but there's sites like Satoshi Dice, Seals Without Clubs, uh, BitZeno and Satoshi Dice itself actually, uh, is worth about 8 million in 2012. You know, they did so many transactions. Um, bitpay.com is, is another site that they've done 10,000 merchant transactions um, with zero cases of fraud. Okay. No one cheated anybody. 10,000 merchant transactions in Bitcoin's history or BitPay's history. And that's uh, as of January 22nd, 2013. That's amazing. I don't think there's any currency or, or any even transaction system that could make that kind of claim. I could be wrong. But I, I mean, 10,000 merchant transactions and BitPay, BitPay is cool, too. And these are some of the technologies that are starting to come out. BitPay allows you to buy a, a card that um, that works, you know, it, it works like a, a almost how to describe it. Um, well, before, while I'm figuring out how to describe how the BitPay card works. OK, here we go. It's like a deposit card and you know, it, it's great. It, it sends, what it does is, is that you can connect it to your, your bank account. Okay. So if you want to get instant like cash out of this, it, it, it connects to your bank account and someone scans it, sends you the bitcoins and instantaneously, uh, you have, you know, you have your money in your bank account, not even in like it's some Bitcoin exchange, but you have it in your bank account. It's amazing. Uh, that's a great service. There are rumors floating around, about, uh, Bitcoin pay cards, which, um, you know, they, they, it kind of works like a Bitcoin debit card that could work anywhere and would work essentially like in anywhere where Visa or MasterCard are accepted, but it would be connected to your Bitcoin wallet. Um, that's been promised. I haven't seen it come in, into being yet. Uh, there's also been talk of, you know, Bitcoin becoming a part of foreign exchange. Now this is, there isn't any like official, as far as I know, there isn't any like really official good foreign exchange or Forex, which is something I'm interested in, um, way of using Bitcoin, but it's happening anyway. In Iran, Greece, all over Europe, a lot of people are using, are buying into Bitcoin to get out of their failing economies of their countries. And this is scaring, 
uh, like the the European Union. They're recently they're they're like okay, hey, we got to watch Bitcoin. This is getting crazy, um, and and it's interesting because it's proving the power of Bitcoin. The power of Bitcoin is that no one is in control of it. That's the real beauty of it. So to want regulators to be aware of it, you know, a keep them in the dark, or b make sure they never touch it. Make sure they have nothing to do with it, because again, it's real strength is is in its essentially you know anarchist existence in that it has no master which which is fantastic um so so those things those are kind of the technologies that are coming um and it just it works really well because you know we what we have to face is that credit cards you know which is a lot of people say that well we can just use credit cards we don't need bitcoins to do you know to pay for things on the internet but really when you look at it credit cards were never meant for the digital age they weren't designed for it. They, they were designed for over phone lines, you know, and, and the communication of numbers, but they were never meant to be used the way they are now. Um, I mean, I give, I give credit cards credit uh, for, you know, being so adaptable, but that's not what they were meant for as to where Bitcoin is truly meant for the internet. And that's fantastic. Um, you know, and, and then people say, well, I can't hold it in my hand. That freaks me out. Well, the other point to make is that, you know, contactless payments, is the way things are going. Um, and, and we're going to, I'm going to do other specials on contactless payments, things like Google wallet, um, they use NFC technology and all this stuff, but people are getting to the point where they, you know, money isn't held in the hand. This has been predicted by science fiction authors for 80 years, but it's finally starting to really happen. And I like it personally. I like it because again, these are just mediums of exchange. I do not expect intrinsic value out of anything that I trade with. Okay. Bartering is a different story there. You have to have intrinsic value. Um, but by and large, you know, a medium exchange, I, it just needs to be that. And that's okay because we are in a different world than it was 6,000 years ago. We are in a very different world. Humans are the same, but the world is different. Um, let's see what other success stories to, to go with Bitcoin. I mean, WordPress, which, you know, WordPress is, is huge on the internet. Most of the site, or at least quite a few websites on the internet use WordPress. Um, it's a very common blogging, uh, platform that's accepting Bitcoins. Now, uh, there's all, all kinds of companies out there accepting Bitcoins at this point. Um, and you know, one other quick argument that I just want to touch on again, I'm going over notes and I've just got so much that I want to go over. Um, you know, a, a good, uh, a good path to, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't say you don't have a ton of money, but you want to get into Bitcoin. One of the best things I've heard is I, there's, there's a, a gentleman, uh, in the free state project that he, he takes 10% of his income that he makes kind of similar to tithe. Um, but he takes 10% of his income and he uses that no matter what it is. And he buys Bitcoins with it. And I think that's a pretty good way to start getting your hands on this because, you know, I just listed off some of the successes. I mean, Bitcoin's not going away anytime soon. We talked about, you know, its strengths, you know, how it, you know, it is able to, to keep from getting attacked, at least at, at this time. Um, and yeah, so, so I think it's worth getting into. I mean, if you're asking my opinion on it, I really do think it's worth getting into uh, because the internet's going to be here. You know, the sprawl is, is what's happening. We are not going to, we are really, we're not going back to the time where, you know, we have to like, where it's horse and buggy. Okay. That's just, that's not coming. You know, everything is so integrated. Everything is, I mean, if it actually, if that actually did happen, 
nothing you could invest in, not bullets, not anything is going to be worth much because it won't last that long. Okay. So I think it's a worthy risk. Um, I may talk more about that risk in a little bit. But anyway, the 10% idea, I think, is a great idea. There's actually a really popular book I read when I was a kid uh, called The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson, which kind of recommends the same thing. Like, you know, uh, you know, take 10% of what you make uh, a week or a month or whatever and, you know, and invest it, put it into something or save it or whichever. And then you can do another 10% and another 10%. Um, but I, I think that's a great idea. Um Anyway, I, I think I pretty much covered everything, you know, a lot of the bulk of the notes that I wanted to get into, a lot of the facts I wanted to get into. If there's things you didn't hear, I will definitely be doing a part, you know, uh, another edition of, of a Bitcoin episode as things progress. We'll kind of do like a, a state address um, as much as we despise a state on Sovereign Tech. We will do, a you know, kind of a state address on Bitcoins in, in the near future. Or maybe I'll if you, you know, if I get a lot of emails about this episode, I will do an episode in response to those emails and I will cover other things. Um, okay. So what I want to do now is I want to, I, I just want to kind of like do, this is going to be pure opinion. These are my personal feelings on bitcoins, um, that I want to discuss and yeah, you know, I, I hope you find them interesting. So here goes. Um, I think, you may not think this is relative, but I, but I'll, I'll get into it here. I think it's interesting that Christians have, have warned about something like bitcoins. Um, the, the book of revelation, the last book of the, the Bible, uh, discusses a global economy and a global religion. Um, you're, you, if you grew up in Christianity or if you have heard like some Christian people talk, um, you know, they say, well, it's going to be a global government. Actually, the book of Revelation never discusses a global government. Uh, and in case you're wondering, I, I am an atheist. I, I, I don't believe in this in this stuff at all. But it's interesting that the book of Revelation does talk about a global economy. Um, you know, Bitcoin could has the potential to be that or at least it's the real first shot at a global economy, an economy where, you know, things do get you know, everybody recognizes the same money and everybody kind of uses the same services essentially. Um, and so if, if, if you're not connected to the internet, uh, you can't use bitcoins. I mean, we, we've already explained that if there's no computers in the internet, you can't use it. And so it kind of raises the question of the whole mark of the beast things, you know, uh, you won't be able to buy or sell if you don't have the mark. Could that be QR codes? which QR codes are commonly used for Bitcoin to transfer. Uh, you know, a smartphone scans the QR code or a webcam scans the QR code, and then you transfer it. That way you don't have to actually type out that really long alphanumeric wallet address. You know, is that, uh, you know, is, is, the mark, is that the mark of the beast? No, because we know the mark of the beast, or we, as if we're Christians, um, you know, they, they know the mark of the beast. It's not something real in the Bible. Be, why do we know that? Because the people of God are marked as well in the Bible on their forehead and on their right hand. Okay, well, we could have QR codes on our forehead or on our right hand or whatever. Um, but the people of God, not not the people with the mark of the beast, but the other people, they're marked on their right hand, you know, on their forehead and their right hand. And that actually, what that is, is that, you know, if you were a Bible scholar, that's representative of God's law, you know, as in like, you know, in Judaism, the phylacteries and the telephone that were worn on the right hand 
or on the forehead. So we know the origin of like the mark of God. And so if there's a mark of God, the mark of the beast can't be, I mean, like the people with the mark of God are literally no Christians wear phylacteries or telephone, or maybe there are some, but they're very few. Uh, and so the, so, you know, that's, that mark's not real. So the mark of the beast isn't real, but let's keep Christianity in perspective anyway. I mean, we're already showing, you know, just how crazy it all is, but let's keep it in perspective. And what is Christianity? Christianity is a system of control. And on sovereign tech, you know, I'm an anarchist. Okay. I'm not interested in control. I am at the antithesis of control. Stabilization is chaos. Trying to stabilize things creates problems. Letting, you know, nature do its thing, letting humans do their thing. As long as no one else gets harmed, everything turns out generally. Okay. You know, generally not all, um, it could be said, you know, and, and I might make the case that almost everything in Christianity is designed to keep people down. And from being free because in the Bible itself, you know, you're, you're called a slave. I mean, that, that's just, that's just, you're, you're, I mean, you're a slave to Christ, but you're a slave. I have no interest in that word. Maybe you do. Um, you know, and, and, and even the whole thing with Christ saying, you know, render to Caesar, what is Caesar's, but here's the thing. Bitcoin has no Caesar. It has nothing to do with it. And so that, I mean, that knocks out the whole, you know, because Babylon's supposed to come back in the book of Revelation, all that stuff that, you know, Bitcoin has nothing to do with that. And it has nothing to do with any system of control. It has no central authority. Along with that, finally, in a currency, you know, comes a degree of true freedom. Um, is it fake? Is it created? You know, it's not, it's not quote unquote natural uh, medium of exchange. Sure, that's true. But, but again, like I asked earlier in the show, I mean, why is gold? a medium of exchange because it's pretty. I mean, gold has many practical uses, but again, no one knew what those uses were 6,000 years ago. How did gold become a big deal? How did silver become a big deal? I mean, even that, that we can prove a little bit more, but how did it become a big deal? We don't know. We really don't know. I have theories, but we don't know. Um, and so, you know, I mean, granted the whole Christian thing, I feel good just, just kind of being, you know, against that, doing the opposite of whatever that wanted. But my point in saying that is that all these things, you know, even, even just being, having your, the economy based on gold and all that stuff, while it is recognized around the world, it's a system of the old ways of how things used to be done. And, you know, it's, it's like parenting. Okay, fine. We'll just keep parenting the same way. No, no. We're going to change how we parent. We're going to do peaceful parenting. Just like with our money. No, it's not going to come from central banks. It's not, I don't, it doesn't matter who thinks if Lloyd of London thinks it's the biggest thing going, we're going to use it. We are, it's not, it doesn't need to be known by the government. It doesn't need to have any value in regulation. It's for us to use as human beings in voluntary interactions. I mean, this is why Bitcoin is such a game changer. Now, okay, you know, maybe you're asking me, Brian, Brian Sovereign, please just tell me, should I be getting into Bitcoin? Honestly, if you're planning on the government still being around in the next 50 years, maybe Bitcoin isn't a good idea um, because you're going to want to invest in things that the government does because the government's guaranteed money. Um, I, I find it laughable when people say that, when they do their day trading or their investments and all that stuff, and they just bet against the government, that is, 
that is absolutely preposterous. I have no other way to say that. It is absolutely preposterous because government, when they fund something, those stocks are going to go up, baby. And there's, I mean, it's just how it is. It's how the system works. So if you're planning on the government being here in the next 40, 50 years, then, uh, yeah, maybe not get into Bitcoin and just do what I was just saying, like learn how the government works and bet into that. If you want to make substantial amounts of income and investing, um, you know, and I mean, and, and maybe even then Bitcoin might be a good idea because when you have guys like the Bitcoin foundation wanting to get it regulated, then maybe it will become a, a you know, good idea. So maybe you still want to get into Bitcoin at least a little bit if the governments are going to end up taking it over or at least not taking it over perhaps, but controlling how it's used. Um, but you know, if you're planning or if you're working towards as in your, your, directly involved somehow and there's a million ways to do this if you're directly involved in achieving liberty in your life if you have you know if you're looking for that radical shift in the way humans interact with each other completely voluntary no more power dynamics you know a world of peace then in my opinion bitcoin is something you should definitely be interested in you should definitely be investing in because you know, if it alone isn't the currency of the future, believe me, it's the progenitor of what's coming next. It really, really is. Um, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about these uh, contactless payment systems. I mean, Bitcoin is just another iteration of that. But the fortunate thing is that this one's not tied to any banks. It's not tied to any governments. It just is. You know, it's out there. The value is subjective. There's no doubt about it. But that's just it. Value is subjective. Gold, quite frankly, you know, other than it's other than it's it's monetary worth, you know, and, and the fact that it does, it is a hedge against inflation or whatever, holds no personal meaning to me. It doesn't mean anything. You know, I'm glad it's a medium of exchange, but that's all that it is to me. And to say, well, it works really what does certain things in electronics that others can't do. No, that's not entirely accurate, but that's that's another story. But th this is my point that. Bitcoin is about the, it's about a paradigm shift. It's about everything changing the way everything's done. And that's good because we don't need to be looking back to some pieces of paper, be it the constitution or the Bible on how to solve the problems today. Okay. Or on how to get real freedom in, you know, in our lifetimes. And we can, people can get freedom in their lifetimes. They can get at least more freedom. And let me tell you, I've been dealing with the, I've been dealing with some issues recently where if everything was done in Bitcoin, I wouldn't have any issues because no one would be telling me where my money can go. And that is very, very powerful. I don't expect everybody to understand that. Maybe I'll talk about it in another episode, another special, but this is Bitcoin to me is, in the, is at the very heart of anarchy. It is, it, it just tears down all the systems. Okay. Except for the, you know, the computers and internet, which let's face it, folks, as much as Bitcoin can set us free, those computers and the internet have set us free. You're listening to a, you're listening to me right now. Uh, you're listening, you know, to, to whatever you're listening to mainly because of computers, everything you're into is so much because of computers. I mean, they're there, they're wonderful. We do not want to go back to a society where they no longer exist because they have set us free. 
the internet has set us free. You're going to hear so many stories on Sovereign Tech where, where people, um, you know, talk about how, well, this is what technology did for me. And they're the people that they are today, or they have come to the ideas of liberty because of these devices. Okay. And Bitcoin is just another part of that. And it is so exciting. So, but again, I will be completely honest. If I was planning on, on the, the run of the mill governments of the day, still being around even 30 years from now, I probably wouldn't put a whole lot of money into Bitcoin. I certainly wouldn't take the risk, but I don't plan on that. I plan on, you know, these things falling away, at least to some degree in in regional areas that I can choose to live in. And in that case, I want Bitcoin because I know, I I mean, there's already people that that are interested in it and it's, it's becoming a big deal. Oh, drug dealers are using it. Well, so what? They're people too. You know, I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not for drugs. I never use them, but they're just people doing voluntary interactions. Woohoo. Anyway, that's a, that's it for the Bitcoin special. Um, if you know, you have questions or comments, uh, anything, you know, uh, sovereign tech at hush dot AI, or, you know, the, the Facebook page, I did start the Facebook page. Um, I'm still figuring out what exactly I want to do with it, how I want it to interact, but you can go to facebook.com slash sovereign tech. That's S O V R Y N start talking there. Um, I may be getting into Google plus very soon. I actually like Google plus a lot better than, uh, than, than Facebook. Um, and it, I mean, I have a, it really, really meets my need for control of information of the information I get out there. I don't have any real need for privacy, but the control of information uh, is a big deal to me. And Google plus is much better at that. And now that they have communities, maybe we could start a sovereign tech community there. That'd be pretty awesome, but go to Facebook, you know, contact me there. Uh, you know, go to the Tumblr page. You can contact me there as well. Sovereigntech.tumblr.com. And I hope you, you've really enjoyed this. Uh, I, I, you know, and again, if there's stuff that we didn't cover, talk to me, let me know. Um, and I, um, I also, I wanted to point out that I did have some requests for people for me to have, uh, you know, various people involved more directly with Bitcoin, uh, say, you know, guys that are like head of like Bitcoin exchanges and websites and whatever to be on the show. And I may do that in the future, but it's important. I, it's very, very important to me with this show with sovereign tech that the opinions, you know, they're not bought or they're not, they're not, there's like, like the ad says, I don't pull any punches. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to be beholden to where like, Oh, I better be nice to this guy when he's on or something like that. Um, and at the same time, I don't really wish a whole lot of conflict in my life. So, you know, I wouldn't want to like bring somebody on just so I can argue with them. Um, but I didn't want to bring anybody on cause I just, I wanted you to see that, you know, I wanted, I wanted the idea out there that this is, you know, completely uncensored, you know, off the cuff, uh, other than, uh, that I have notes, you know, that I was going by, um, you know, talking about Bitcoin and that, you know, there, I, I don't, yeah, I, ha- I do have some Bitcoins, but I don't really have that much skin in the game. Okay. I hope they work. I'm looking forward to them working, but if they crash, you know, to, to me, it's not that big a deal, but that's why it's important that I tell you, you know, that, that I explain, or at least I tried to explain as much as I can about Bitcoin so that you can decide if you think it's worth it to you. And that's really what matters. Cause again, value is subjective. doesn't matter if it's gold, silver, copper, whatever value is, or Bitcoin value is subjective. You place the value on what you want. And as long as it's a shared value, you can do voluntary interactions. 
And so I hope this has helped. Again, if you, I, I know I've said this a million times already, but if you have any questions, do not hesitate to ask Sovereign Tech at hush.ai. I love getting emails. Um, I don't always get to them right away, but I, I, you know, I really enjoy getting them. And if you want if, say you want your email read on the show or if you want it like discussed on the show instead of privately, um, you know, let me know that you want it discussed on the show and then maybe I'll do it up for a tech roulette. Um, or, you know, like I said, if there's a lot of email about this episode, I'll do a whole other special in response. So thank you again. Uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Um, a lot of information to cover. And uh, anyway, I'll be back with more later. Uh, thanks for listening to Sovereign Tech. This is Brian Sauer. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at sovereigntech.tumblr.com. That's S O V R Y N Tech. .tumblr.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds. <laughs>